You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's as synonymous with Christmas as overcooked food, bad presents and family arguments, but in a good way, not in a negative way like the three elements of Christmas that I always remember. It's the Liston Mainchies Outlook for the New Year. Liston Mainchies is an independent economics and markets analyst talking to us from New Zealand. Is it a lockdown New Zealand, Liston? Well, not, not well, various stages, but Auckland is still in level three. And by the way, today is our hundredth day. Uh-huh. And believe it or not, it is the first day that you've been able to go to a hairdresser or a beauty salon in a hundred days. I don't so think you, you can I, imagine I, there are quite a few long-haired <laughs> uh, people walking around and many men sporting beards that they never had before. <laughs> I don't think you'll be bothering either the beauty therapist or the hairdressers list and knowing you. But on the other hand, who knows? Maybe things have changed since you've been to the land of the long white cloud. Liston, you sent me something. You say that your mainline view is that the future ain't what it used to be rather than the muddle through the middle. What do you mean by that? Well, okay. Often when you and I have discussed the outlook, you know, I've had to say that next year will look pretty much like this one. The forces that we can see operating for the year are probably already in place. And yes, there are ups and downs on either side. But, you know, it's difficult to say that it's going to be the optimistic line or it's going to be the pessimistic line. We'll probably head down, you know, some kind of centralistic line. And that's the, the outlook for the year. Now, I never do it quite like that, of course. But this time, uh, what I'm saying is what I hear and what I foresee don't sound the same. And part of it is a delayed reaction, is the way I would put it. Because a lot of what we are seeing this year, I thought would happen last year already. But then again, I go back to my 2018 when I gave an outlook for 2019. And I said, look, I don't know what it is, but something big is going to happen and it's not going to look good. And, of course, it didn't happen in 2019. It happened in uh, February, March of uh, 2020. So I was out by a couple of months. Uh, But really what I would like the, the, the listeners to understand is that, you know, I'm not trying to make forecasts. What I'm trying to do is to look and say, what does the landscape look like? And, of course, if we're going down a road, we'd like to be able to see a little bit of, of where we're going. Well, that's not going to be the case as we go forward. And the main reason I'm, I'm saying all of that, yes, we have a bit more stability in the White House. Yes, we have a, a, a fair degree of consensus around climate change. and But we have trade tensions. We have Taiwan as interesting potential flashpoints that I think are likely to rear their head. But more importantly, we have a thing called supply chain disruption. Yes. And it is causing inflation. And that inflation has been denied for quite some time. Denied by the central uh, bankers like Jay Powell, for example, uh, who has just been nominated yes. for a second term. He's, he's, his, his tenure is up in February, uh, but he's going to presumably get another few years. I don't know what the tenureship is uh, when it comes to the central bank of the United States of America, the Fed. Uh, but, uh, but, but, but he has been a denialist. Maybe his figures weren't correct. Maybe he underestimated the supply chain disruption. Maybe he underestimated the fact that the CEO 
ERB index, the commodity index, is up over 42% just this year. Maybe, maybe he's missing something, or maybe, as I say, he's being politicized. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. But every Fed governor has been politicized. Don't worry about that. And he, obviously, seeking renomination, he did not want to rock the boat. So I'm absolutely convinced he had a pretty fair handle on things. But here's the part that I can't get from any other commentator, and I hope that the listeners will appreciate it. Okay. It doesn't help to get inflation back down. Now, what did I just say? What you've always said, you said that why do people like a bit of inflation? I like prices to stay low because I'm a consumer. So what you're saying is that it won't help to bring it down. Why do you say that? It'll be help, surely helpful to control it from its 6% plus in the United States down to a more manageable 25 to 3%, wouldn't you say? It's deeper than that. My point is that inflation is a rate of change. So here's the absurd argument. Suppose we go along and in one month all prices double. Yes. For one year that doubling is in the inflation number. One year later inflation goes to zero. The base so effect inflation in other is zero. That's wonderful. We've we've beaten inflation. But actually everything costs double. Yeah. So your salary demands are going to be there. My point is that it doesn't work like that. And I'm sure that Jay Powell knows and understands that. But the point about it all is that nobody is talking about inflation as a rate of change and getting it back to zero doesn't actually help if all the prices have already risen. Now, the key point to this as well, if you remember as long ago as March, April last year, Oil price went down to $20 a barrel. There was all sorts of things happening, and it just happened to coincide with the pandemic. But, of course, we now have oil at five-year highs, $80 a barrel or just above it. And the, that looks set to stay, although we're going to do away with fossil fuels. So, again, I think that is one of the key areas that I would focus people's attention on. But I go further and I look at wheat, and wheat is now at a nine-year high. Now, the point being as well, and that we joke about it and say the American breakfast hasn't increased in price in, in, in 10 years, but the point is it has increased dramatically over one year. And we have similar stories happening in just about every situation. And there's almost no way that the labor force will not see that and feel it in, in their finances. They will be looking for increases. And again, if you look at the kind of numbers that people are talking, and we have a very accommodative president uh, who's all for, for the, the, the underpaid earning more, you know, working towards $20 an hour as a minimum wage. Uh, Lindsay, I don't know what $20 an hour looks like to you, but that, that seems is like a, a lot to me. substantial number. That's a huge number. Then you come across, then you come across or, you know, some of these other brilliant ideas where we, we're going to reduce various gas emissions, but unfortunately the cost of doing so is like double what we were paying to not do it. <laughs> so I, I have to say 
this is the year of some form of reckoning and it just does once you let the genie out the bottle it's very hard to put him back do you think and just before you go on listing because we need to rather than philosophizing we need we need to look forward you said last year that something big would happen and that turned out to be the global health crisis the coronavirus pandemic okay and we, no one could have predicted that that some little animal market in the wuhan province of china could suddenly set the world on edge but, so that wasn't predictable. But let's look at more predictability or um, events that may prove to have been predictable, i.e. raising of interest rates, which none of the traders and brokers have, have seen, the younger ones anyway, have ever seen in their lives. They've been used to having free money. They've been used to not putting the money in the bank. They've been used to buying equities because that's the only way to go. Do you think that these worlds are suddenly going to collide and there will be a great reckoning in 2022? Well, the, the question is how great. <clears throat> I'm saying there will, must be some form of reckoning. Um, so how, how will they control it? That's difficult to see because so far they've actually been in denial. That only makes the, the, the problem worse. But bring it forward. I'm saying people are now working from home. So one of the stalwarts of investments always was the steady rental income that people were getting for offices and shopping malls. Well, I don't know what it's like where, where all our listeners are, but it has definitely changed shape here that people are doing click and collect. When I go to the supermarket, I'm run over by trolley being wheeled by supermarket people with 50 different bags when they've got about seven lists in their hand mm. of what people have ordered, then people aren't coming into the store anymore. So you've got a, a completely different dynamic on that one. I think you're going to say or see the same kind of thing. Yes, everybody wants to visit their family and uh, you know go and see the, go and go and see people they haven't seen for two years. But uh, people I speak to all say, but I'm going to wait because I just don't trust the airlines and masks and everything. So I think that as much as people say, we'll just go back to where we were, that's not going to happen. Now, Lindsay, I remember where a conversation we had quite some time ago. Okay. And you said, when will this be over? And at that stage, I, well, I said, well, you know, it depends on this, that and the next thing. But if it isn't contained... Trump will be out and Biden will be in. And it wasn't contained and that did happen. Now, that has all, all sorts of ramifications. But the key to me, and this is where, where I'm, I'm saying that the, the reckoning, you know, go, arrives sooner rather than later, is that countries which have gone through the vaccination are still getting record numbers of cases. So, in other words... Yes, you don't die from this, but the pandemic continues and spreads and it definitely does impact people who are vulnerable and uh, all of these items have to be reported. Now, what kind of effect does that have? And uh, as I say, it, it's a change of the way the water flows in the river. It may not go down the route it went before, it's now finding a different way around. The water is in the river and the water is still flowing. So I'm not suggesting for one minute that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the, that everything has to stop. But it's where it has changed and we've seen it now. 
particularly that one of the flows was that we were on a situation of what we call just-in-time delivery. So nobody kept big stocks of anything. They didn't have to. You ordered it three days later, you got it. Now you order it and they laugh. They tell you, well, I don't know, you've got a long line. Maybe we can do it by next May. The point I'm trying to make is that the businesses react and they react in normal, considered commercial reasons. And they say, you know, if it's going to be that we can't get the stuff, we are going to double our order and make sure that next time we're not caught short. So in other words, a, a, a paradigm, and it has been that for many, many years of just in time and don't keep stock is going to go away. So one of the things that I would predict very, very uh, strongly is that people are going to be looking for warehouse space oh, for yes. the stock that we bring and not using this year, but keeping it in reserve because they don't want to be caught short again. In the United Kingdom, that has been a trend in 2020 um, and will probably continue um, uh, well, it has continued in 2021. People started building warehouses in the middle of nowhere, buying up cheap land and building these warehouses because of the trends that you've been speaking of. I was in London at the end of last year, listening for a couple of weeks, and I was in a, a quite a wealthy, staying in quite a wealthy suburb. And I thought, well, it's uh, 10 o'clock. I'll pop down to the, the the local pub. I had to book and everything, and uh, and fill in all sorts of um, electronic forms and stuff. But I did so, and it was. As I was coming home at around about eleven o'clock, there were there were there were there were delivery vans everywhere. A company called Ocado, for example, a European company that links up with all the top supermarkets and food suppliers, uh, delivering, knocking on people's doors, ringing their bells, and delivering at that time. And and talking about shortages. I, I get regular emails from Fortnum and Mason, the high-end London food purveyor. And they're advertising these hampers of two, three hundred pounds of wine. And they said, please order now because we cannot guarantee supplies of wine for too much longer because people can't get stuff. And now, OK, wine is, is, is a bad representative example. But on the other hand, maybe you can expand from wine to so many other things like staples, like energy. I, I, I don't know. There's something's happening, Liston. Well, that's precisely what I'm saying, and it ties in exactly with the future ain't what it used to be. We are having to do these things, not because we want to, but because the situation has changed. And we, in our individual capacities, make these, cho these uh, uh, choices and differences. So do companies. Now, again, this may last one year, two years, three years, but I think it is the trend and the important part of looking at uh, 2022. Now, I think the one we've got to talk about is cryptocurrencies. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> Do we really have to? I think we should. <laughs> now, again, I, I'm just fascinated at how little people know and understand about what a cryptocurrency actually is. But the point being that they are on the landscape. We have to account for them. We cannot simply ignore them and say, well, we don't think they're going to exist. They'll probably go away. And you even see central banks saying, well, if some commercial people are doing this and actually jumping on our turf, which is really, truly currency, uh, and they're unregulated, what we better do is to set up something in opposition to them, which we can control and at least at some stage regulate. 
about that. Mm. Okay. Now, yeah. what, what, what is a cryptocurrency is the oh, question. I don't know. And the honest answer is every currency in the world is probably a cryptocurrency because very few of them are backed by reserves. Uh, that used to be the case, but as you know, that went out many, many years ago. With the so gold standard. Yes. Mm. If you don't trust the currency, try the Turkish lira or the Venezuelan bolivar, um, you're, you're, you're not going to be here too happy. But if you're in uh, uh, the, the dollar at the moment, you are tolerably happy because it is strengthening against other currencies. You can argue and say, why should that be and is it? But the key point is, those exchange rates do change. And your cryptocurrency is just something as an alternative to the dollar, which you either trust that will have a higher value this time next year or by the time you come to spend it or not. How you're going to come to that conclusion is much more difficult. And of course, what we are seeing, and I reckon will be a big feature of 2022, is that increased volatility. And part of it is that it's dead simple to create a cryptocurrency. You just give it a name and suddenly it exists. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. <laughs> but, but my point is <laughs> that uh, the novice, the person who is buying something, honestly could not give you a cogent reason as to why he has chosen that specific one based on supply demand fundamentals. So what what happens here? Does, is this a, 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 a tulip bubble? Is this a South Sea bubble? Is this a Ponzi scheme? In other words, is it going to collapse? Are people going to actually say, we took you for everything you had? I mean, it was down below 5,000 in March 2020, Bitcoin that is, it's been as high as I think about two weeks ago, $68,300 per coin, came back down to 55, it's back up to 57 today. Are people who started this thing, i.e. At the, at the beginning of the, what used to be known as a Ponzi scheme, say, thank you very much, I'm cashing out now, and it'll all be forgotten and written about in textbooks and commented upon in lectures, economics lectures to students in 20 years' time. What is the future of this giant, it's not a scam, of course, but this giant movement of people that are bored at home and need to press buttons? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are a couple of points you made there. The first one is tulips. Now, at least a tulip you can see, <laughs> and you hope it flowers, and if it has an unusual color and a, an unusual size, then people might be prepared to pay more for it than for another one. But the good thing about tulips is that you start with one bulb, and a season later you have four or five bulbs. So you can actually grow wealth by buying a single bulb and have five in a year's time. But exactly what happened there is exactly what what we know happens in a number of situations is as the price rises, everybody gets involved and suddenly there's a glut and the value that you thought you had for, for tulips, everybody's got one, everybody's got five and nobody, there's no new buyers. Then the price collapses. So could this happen to crypto? Yes. So I'm making that statement good. absolutely boldly here. Very when the good. last person prepared to buy crypto has bought who are you going to sell to? There's no buyer of last resort. 
Oh, good. I'm so glad you've said that. I'm so glad you've said that. Let's take it back to Bitcoin. Mm. Now, Bitcoin is different to nearly all of the others. And very cutely, they um, uh, based it on a, a, a mining model where they said, to get a new Bitcoin, you have to mine to get this. That means expending time and energy. And by the way, a huge amount of energy, by the way, in the form of electricity, to the point that the Chinese authorities have forbidden mining because they're putting too much strain on an electricity grid. And we've seen other instances where students were, were doing this and whoever was paying, if it was their parents, they suddenly found they had an electricity bill or a, a, a computer broadband bill uh, in, running into the thousands. And they said, why on earth, you know, what, what caused this? So at least the Bitcoin had some intrinsic value because to get another one, there had to be expenditure, as I said, of time and money. Now, a lot of the others don't have that at all. The second part to Bitcoin is they've said there's a finite number of these. And when they're over, they're finished. When they, there can't be any more. There only are so many. And that's makes them, in my opinion, at least a more credible story and answer. But I haven't yet seen a Bitcoin. I've seen Krugerrands. I know what they look like, but I don't know what a Bitcoin looks like. I've seen a picture and it's got a sort of dollar sign thingy on it. Um, mm. And if you believe, you believe. And away we go. So all I'm saying is if at some stage there is a loss of faith in the currency, called Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever the other new names are, then suddenly somebody holding that will not be able to cash it in. The incredible and good thing for 2022, so what I'm saying is I don't think this happens in 2022, but the merchants are prepared to take it. And if they'll take it, they, they get credited with a certain number of rands in, in return for certain Bitcoin in, in, the, in the Bitcoin registry, they go up and you go down if you're paying uh, and, and all makes sense. So it's very simple uh, ledger keeping of somebody pays somebody else and the ledger keeps score and it's done digitally and instantly. Just to close this Bitcoin and cryptocurrency chat, you know it's over when you get a very glamorous announcement from the authorities in a country called Ecuador. Now, I don't think many people know about the capital markets in Ecuador and the government bonds and how they've performed or what the currency does, or indeed what Ecuador does, or even where Ecuador is. And I'm not being disrespectful to any of our massive fan base of Ecuadorian uh, people that listen to this show. But on the other hand, when they say that they're going to issue Bitcoin bonds in order to build a city in the desert. And there was very grandiose plans of what it's going to look like and it's going to be futuristic, etc. I say to myself, what is this, April the 1st? What's, what's happening here? That's the end of it, surely. Did you see that? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. the point is you get these warning signs. But to take it to warning signs, I can't tell you how many times I've said there's a problem in China. <clears throat> it's called shadow uh, banking, and it's where they are lending to companies, particularly property companies and property development companies. You get a company the size of Evergrande mm. that ends up 
yes, they are doing work. They and they are building cities. They have borrowed to build those cities and owe money, which now if they can sell the, the units, they'll probably be able to get that money. So it's there's something at least you know backing the the debt. But the debt is three hundred thousand million dollars. Yes, you always, you don't like to say billion or trillion, do you? You you, you must prefer the thousands times the million. That, but it does bring it bring it home, doesn't it? It brings it home, and the the vacant, uh, unfinished uh, buildings that they still have to sell equals almost the size of Manhattan in terms of square meters. Now you've been to Manhattan. You know what I'm talking about. I do. But it, in it, however, anybody thinks of it, it is just impossible to conceive that they can handle the situation easily. Of course, governments can step in. Did they not step in and save General Motors? Did they not, uh, you know, handle the cash for clunkers back in was it? Gosh, only back in 2012 we had cash for clunkers uh, as a way to uh, get out of the problems that America had dug itself into. When uh, part of the problem, in fact, most of the problem in America was that they had underscored or they'd underrated risk. And the way they did that was to ensure that interest rates were too low all the time. If I tell you that we now have interest rates too low, say, especially with inflation, it's when times get tough that you find out exactly where the problems are. And suddenly Evergrande has come up. Who are wrong? Uh, Kaiser. It's not just one property company in China. It's many of them. Dozens, probably. Yeah, not the size of Evergrande. Not as grand as Evergrande, but uh, certainly you can't have just one doing it in isolation. All the rest of them must have been uh, hanging onto the coattails of Evergrande when they saw them doing so well. And so they thought, we can do this, but on a smaller scale, we'll borrow the money uh, from these regional uh, municipality banks and, and, and away you go. Listen, I've only got five minutes left before my next podcast, so please tell me about 2022. And it, it doesn't have to be on March the 3rd, this will happen. It will be a general trend for a couple of asset classes that either scare you or or enthrall you. Okay. Uh, let's let's bring it back just to South Africa because I think trying to deal with the world in five minutes will, will, will be impossible. Certainly for you. What I've said is there's a fragility around because of interest rates. But if you look particularly at South Africa, the correct answer has been that certain areas have done reasonably well. We had a good agricultural season in the year 2021, uh, and that helped a certain group of people. We had, by good fortune, very, very and fantastically good numbers coming out from the mining companies. And, you know, they've had tough times. I, I don't want to tell you. I think Anglo-American went down to 60 Rand in, was it 2016? Here we are five years later and it's 600 Rand, 10 times up in five years. So some people have made a lot of money in the stock market on based on uh, commodities. In fact, if you go and look at you know which unit trusts have done particularly well, you'll find that if you weren't in commodities, you didn't do well. That was right up until 
fairly recently, and suddenly we have a swing back to the mid and small caps, as they as they call them. And again, part of it is that they just got smashed way beyond what they might have had as an intrinsic value. And so somebody has decided, well, I can buy them at two rand. They used to be 20. I'll buy them at two and they go to four rand. So suddenly, you know, the two to four makes it. But unfortunately, the 20 to four lost it on the way down the way down. Can anybody tell me that it will get better in the year 2021? And I say it like that because quite honestly, we have still got electricity problems. Will they go away? They are doing everything they can and should, but there are such diverse forces. I reckon with proper thought and thinking processes, a lot of this could be solved. The next thing you suddenly find a water set of problems. The next thing, and, and all I'm saying is you, you have nothing for to convince me that it will suddenly turn around. And now I'm going to put an exception to that. Where you had shopping malls and or uh, businesses which were unable to do and generate the kind of revenue they were used to, then having extreme difficulty in paying rents, they had a choice of going bust or going to their landlord and saying, please be nice to me, I can't pay. And in quite a few cases, that was what happened. As they come on stream or other new people come to take up that space who can pay and there is recovery in the general spending and economy, you must believe that some of those things passed went way below their intrinsic value. But I'll go back to 2018, and I simply said it. We have a glut of offices. It is ridiculous. There is more office space in, in the, the Rosebank uh, Santon area than is possibly needed. The, similarly for, for Pretoria, less so in Cape Town and Durban, but oversupply of office space. And Listen, I don't want to go back to 2018 and office spaces in Rosebank. I want you to go to the asset classes you like in 2022, and you've only got two minutes now. Okay, right. Right now. Mm -hmm. I, I like commodities. I still think that the gold price is the most interesting of all of them, although it's extremely difficult these days to get, get, get plays in, in, in gold because – there are uh, so few uh, directly listed. In fact, they've done away with the all gold index. Yes. The best days have gone. I make no bones about that. If you think you're going to make up, make the same returns in, in those asset classes as before, I'd say forget it. There are recovery situations. And again, we saw one in Barlow World where, again, uh, the, the idea of extra construction and of equipment uh, that getting about positive has been positive for the people providing uh, that equipment. So what I'm saying is some of those trends are discernible and positive. I am less impressed by the retailers turning around. I, I still think some of that is base effect and some of that is pent-up demand that got withheld. I do not think that that can go, go forward well, and especially not with a weak rand with importing goods at, at increased prices. So I'm not impressed there. 
If I look at banks, again, I just think the situation is far too fragile uh, uh, for anything like that. And I, so I, say I, I covered property as a positive. I covered mining as a, as a positive. I've covered construction equipment rather than the construction itself. Construction just is hamstrung. Anything dependent on a regular electricity supply has to have as many question marks over it. And you'd be amazed at, at, at how many actually do have a major dependence on that. Yes, they are buying their own and you know setting things up, but that's a huge increase in costs. So all in all, I still say on average, uh, it, it looks better and has been made to sound better than it is actually is because all the benefit is in some particular areas. Luckily for South Africa, we have a very large market capitalization in the commodity space. Brilliant, Liston. Thank you very much for that lengthy, fascinating synopsis of what has happened and what might happen. Liston Manchies, how do we get hold of you, Liston? Oh, well, my, my email hasn't changed. Liston at liston.co.za. Very good. Have a wonderful Christmas and New Year, and we'll speak in the New Year, and we'll review your predictions at various stages in 2022. Liston Manchies is an independent economic and market analyst. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.